and welcome back to the Boys in Red and White podcast. It's been a long time since we recorded due to obviously the off-season and uh, myself getting married, which is a bit of personal news, but we'll, uh, we'll probably come on to that later in the podcast. Um, as always, I'm joined by my best friend, Andre Grayson. Hello, Mr. Dow. Hello, Andre. And it's, uh, as we were saying off air, it's been a, it, it feels like quite a while since we last spoke, which was actually at my wedding. So it's, uh, it's uh, nice to hear your voice again. And yours, and yours. It was a, a magnificent day. Uh, I won't paint a picture because I suspect our listeners, whilst they were, um, well, I think they were all in the room, actually. Uh, <laughs> they were definitely all in the room. <laughs> so I don't think they need me to paint said picture, but it was uh, an honour to be your Arsenal man in a, a, a cannon uh, crested tie. Yes, I do need to obviously just emphasise that though. I did, I did specifically have an Arsenal man at my wedding, which uh, was, was in fact Andre, as, as I'm sure uh, our listeners could guess. And uh, the other Arsenal element was that the table names were listed as uh, the North Bank, the East Stand, the West Stand, the Clock End, uh, the Emirates Stadium, and Highbury. So that was something which I won over my uh, my, my now wife. So uh, it was a, it was a tall order, but we got there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I lost that battle. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is going to be our our sort of pre-season preview extravaganza because we've uh, we've not done a podcast in a while because of uh, said reasons. So today's about looking forward to the new season, which obviously starts on Friday with our, our trip to Brentford. And we are going to look at that. But I think first and foremost, it probably makes sense to look at what we've actually done during pre-season because that uh, has been a, a bone of contention across social media over the, over the past weeks. Um, so I think that's probably a good starting point. So I guess, Andre, a very broad question. What have you made of our pre-season so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always conflicted with this, right? Because when, when Arsenal were the Arsenal we love and we had such magnificent players. So when we were good. <laughs> that very thing, Tom. I could not tell you who we played in pre-season other than it was in Austria. I couldn't <laughs> tell you whether it looked like we worked on a new shape. I could not tell you whether I was worried or excited or Henri doesn't look like he fancies it or Vieira doesn't look the same. I have no idea. And I always try and put myself in that mindset with pre-season that Results don't matter, um, but you do want to see things that excite you for the season. And often that'll be a new new signing. And I think in White and Laconga, um, we look good. We discussed on our last pod how much we hated we were playing Chelsea and Tottenham. And so it transpired. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what I would say is that, and it sort of taps into the season ahead, I... I don't know whether it's my new mindset. I don't know whether it's because we've come eighth twice. But I only saw things that alarmed me because we looked worse defensively. We looked more open. We looked like we were trying to press and we couldn't. Um, we still don't look like we can score. And I think that's the thing that I took from pre-season is that actually quite a lot looks good. Party was looking amazing. So, of course, he's injured. Um, and I think... Overall, the thing that got me was this is the same team minus Martin Odegaard. And when you look at what we hope to achieve this season, if that is what we hope to go into it, it's really hard to see how we're better than last season. And that is, I don't want to bring this down straight away, but from, I watched, so I watched Rangers, um, I've watched the Rangers game, caught up with the Millwall and Watford game watch Chelsea, watch Spurs. Um, and there was nothing really in there to excite me or that looked different, Tom. So that was my overriding feeling is that this looks like we're set for a very similar season. Yeah, I think um, I think you've covered it really well. Uh, I, I, I've been really tragic and I, because obviously I'm on my summer holidays um, from school, I've watched every pre-season game. And that's uh, not really something I'm particularly proud of, given the <laughs> given, given uh, the experiences I've had from watching them. And I, I went to the Chelsea game at the Emirates, um, which was it was very nice being back in a stadium again. But 
it was again like you say it was just uh the same problems that we've seen throughout the last two seasons um I think the key difference between obviously you started talking about the how you wouldn't really recognize um what we did in pre-seasons of years gone by really and I think that's obviously a big factor is that they weren't readily available like they are today um like every game regardless of what it is with Arsenal is available somewhere um so we've been very fortunate that we've been able to see that but the problem has been that we've seen the same issues that have arisen for the last two seasons and they are by and large that we we can't create chances um obviously defensively is a concern uh we've not kept a clean sheet during pre-season um and we haven't looked like keeping a clean sheet in pre-season uh set pieces have been another another cause for concern where we've we've conceded a number of goals from set pieces and it's just very very alarming that and I'm going to go to the, the key factor again, is that we ca- cannot create chances. And we're putting a lot of pressure on players like Emil Smith-Rowe and Bakaya Saka on being the ones to create those chances because we, we simply cannot do it. And if you think that we're, like you alluded to, that we're going into this season without Martin Odegaard, we, that's another creative player that we are lacking, that we had at the, the tail end of last season. So I, I, I am... you don't want to get too ahead of yourself with pre-season games, but I think rather than it being this opinion based on pre-season alone, we're basing this on the last two years and what we've seen in pre-season is is exactly the same as as what we've seen in the last two years and the reason why we've been finishing eighth. Um, So I, I am... I texted you the other day and said that ahead of the new season, if we weren't going back as fans, I really don't think I'd be that excited about it. Um, obviously, we're we're always excited to be watching Arsenal and watching our team, but not in the same way. So, yes, it's the new season. I'm only feeling like that because we're allowed to go back to games again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what I would say, what I would say is because everything you said is completely right, and I couldn't agree more. You know, having said that, I mean the Chelsea game does not have the appetite we thought, and it's hard to know whether that's us or covid or the number of cases because it is it's rife at the minute in the uk um it's everywhere you go out you get pinged i mean i cannot believe anyone who goes to that game isn't getting pinged however arsenal choose to do it um i know you're going to brentford and i'm i'm not um which which pains me and there's i i I just i just can't believe i'm not the first game of the season i can't remember the last time that happened but i digress um I am excited, but look, the one thing I would say is that we finished last season really strongly, and I feel like with the Euros, with the the lack of transfer activity, it's been swept under the carpet, that we finished on the back of five wins on the bounce, Yeah. and actually, if you look at our first three games, you know, if we can beat Brentford uh, and lose the other two, that's about what you'd expect from this Arsenal team, and it's it's a shame to say that, but I... I'm not as down on it as I, I, I want to be. I mean, the thing that gets me and it's sort of starting to look forward in our, in our conversation is the, the trans. I was so in favour of the transfer deadline being before the first game of the season. And then Europe didn't do it, nicked all our players and the, the league went, right, OK, well, this if, if not everyone's joining us, we can't do this. Fair enough. I understand that. But... I do think the team that will step out against Norwich in September will be a different team. Yeah, agreed. Um, I've got a question for you around end of window predictions as well that we might get to. But I just feel as though Arsenal, and I think it's really unfair to blame just Arsenal. And we want to because we've got them under the lens, right? That's all we care about. I went on Sky Sports the other day and just went through the transfer centre. No one signed more than three players. No. And you cannot tell me every club would not love to, but no one can get rid of anyone either. But I think we're going to hit go in the next three weeks and see quite a lot of change. I think the merry-go-round is going to begin. Um, but that's why I'm finding it really hard because we'd probably lose to Chelsea and City. But even if we made the transfers we wanted to make, I still think we'd lose to them because they've spent, I mean, God knows how much. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I I do agree. I think if if you look at 
across Europe actually is that there's not been that much activity at all. It's not just been the Premier League. There's a distinct lack of a movement amongst teams, um, and particularly with outgoings. And we look at. I, I was reading an article this morning about the um, the state of the Arsenal squad in terms of homegrown players, non-homegrown players. And basically, we have one space in our squad available to a non-homegrown player, um, which is probably a factor in terms of why you see that we're going after these English English players as opposed to um, maybe maybe cheaper foreign options. Um, I'm just I'm thinking primarily about the James Madison links, the Aaron Ramsdale links, and to a lesser extent, Tammy Abraham's been linked as well. Um, and I think that kind of makes sense with. The, with the sort of makeup of our squad, um, definitely it's it's so frustrating going into a season and knowing that in three weeks' time it could be a totally different scenario. Because ideally, you, you like last year, you want your squad to be settled ahead of the first game of the season, and that's simply not possible, like you say, because Europe didn't didn't follow suit. Um, which is really frustrating because I think that would be the way to go. But nevertheless, uh, like you did say, obviously I am very, very fortunate that I am going to Brentford and I, I am tremendously excited to be back at a football ground again, mm-hmm. particularly back in an away end. Um, and I think once I'm there, I think I'll be gripped by that sort of excitement for the season again, regardless of what my expectations are actually are of this team. Yeah. So it will be it will be an experience nonetheless, but... <laughs> We'll see, and hopefully, hopefully, our first away game together will be a, uh, a second round League Cup tie. <laughs> yeah, we find out to, tonight. Can't wait, can't wait. Um, so yeah, so what I would, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, Tom, on on to this extent, we'll go on to season predictions and, and results and what we hope for the first three games shortly. What do you think we're actually going to do by the end of the window? So I think it rolls into ingoings and outgoings. Everyone knows ingoings. It looks like Willock is off. What do you think is actually going to happen? Do you, you know, particularly around, I suppose, the number 10 position. Um, I think the one thing I'll go into, like, we'll just caveat is this. We will get a backup goalie at some point in yes. this window. I think if Bernd Leno breaks his legs against Brentford, for example, we will sign a backup goalkeeper immediately. Yeah. Yes, I think what I would expect is I am, as as you said, I, I think it's nailed on we get a backup goalkeeper. Um, and it does sound like the, we're sort of putting a lot of our eggs in the uh, Aaron Ramsdale basket. Um, which, well, when we spoke yesterday, I think we both sort of agreed that anything more than 20 million, I think that's where you, you sort of have a problem with that transfer. Um, I, th- I think he's, looking at him just specifically, he's one that I've seen a lot of negativity around. Um, and I'm not, I, I've only seen like, like obviously the old game here and there and highlights of him. And obviously there's been times that he's looked a bit suspect, but we forget he is a young goalkeeper. So maybe a year as as number two and then maybe pushing Leno from there on in after that would be a a good move. So potentially we might see that happening. But I think where we're going to see big movement is going to be in that number 10 position. And I think I would be amazed if we didn't bring someone in, particularly allowing Willock to go. I think we're trying to free up some money and some space in the squad to allow us to bring someone in. And whether that is Martin Odegaard or whether it is James Madison that we go for, um, I think it will be that will be where we primarily bring um, a player in. And I think I think that's that's got to be the priority because we just simply do not look like creating chances. Um, mm. And then by doing that, that allows Emil Smith Rowe to, to maybe go out to the left hand side, like we saw when Odegaard came in um, last season. So that would be what my expectations would be. I I, I think at least two players will come in, uh, one being the goalkeeper and one being a number ten. Um, and what do you? I suppose what would you? If it, well, I think we've discussed this before, but just as the season is shaping up and it is so close, if you could, that's what I think we'll do, and I agree. I mean, I think. I actually think if we could have held on to Willock and sold other players, we would have. Yeah. I think he's the only one who's generating any sort of value. 
Um, and I think it's I think it's the right decision. I'm not unhappy about it. Yeah, I think um, I, I think just touching on the, on on that with Willock that the reason why it's the right decision is because we've been guilty in the past um, of holding on to players for far too long, and as a, as a result of that, their value has, has dropped. Um, you can look at last season when Ainsley Maitland-Niles was uh, looking like he might go to Wolves for, was it about 20 million they were linked with him for? Yeah. Um, yeah. And now we look at him and his, his value certainly has, has dropped below that and we don't look like we, there's any interest in, in him anymore. So that's one which I think we could live to regret and I think we've probably learned our lesson with that with Willock. And, and quite frankly, as much as I, I would love Joe Willock to be a player that makes it at Arsenal, I've never seen enough of him to go uh, that I would be convinced that he has a long-term future at Arsenal. Um, I think he has some really interesting attributes, but he doesn't quite fit in with the way that Arsenal play. And I know we've spoken about that quite a lot in the past. So I think it's the right move for everyone. I think we're getting we're getting quite a good price for in in excess of 20 25 million for him. I think Newcastle were getting a player that they they really liked when they got him last season and I think Willock's going to get first team football which is what he wants. So I think it is a deal that works for everyone. But like like you said, uh, if there were other players available in the squad that we could have shifted on, I think we would have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I do think as well on Willock I cannot compare how much I prefer watching Emil Smith Rowe play football. Yes. Willock does have his effective parts, but um, your favourite number 10, new number 10, which I'm sure you're thrilled about after our last podcast, he's he's the one really. He's the, he's the super talent. Um, you'd love them to both work, but Willock doesn't fit into the way Arteta plays. It's the right thing to do. Um, I think we'll get a number 10. I, I actually think we're going to end up with James Madison. Um, it's, I, I it's looking likely, isn't it? It's looking uh, from the only thing that sort of nipped it in the bud a little bit because I listened to um, Askcast the other day, and yeah. I, I know that James from Gunnerblog um, said that he he felt that there was more interest from James Madison's side to going to Arsenal than there was from Arsenal, um, yeah. and that was the only thing that I've read recently that sort of caught my alarm bells up a little bit. Um, but that's uh, I, I I still think there's a fair chance that one happens. Yeah, yeah, and look, you've got to look at it and go. Look, my end of window predictions. I think we're going to shift. I don't think we're going to shift Eddie. Um, I think the injury puts paid to that. But I think we will sell Nelson, and I think we will sell Ainsley Maitland Niles. We'll let Kalasinac go, and um, I don't think any of the other players we want to sell go. You know, I don't think we're going to get rid of any of the right backs, sadly. Um, I think, you know, the Xhaka news, which I'll ask you about shortly, um, uh, you know, again, probably means we're not selling him and therefore the midfield's going to say, as it is, we're not selling Aubameyang. I'd be amazed if Lacazette happens. Yeah. Um, So I, I think we will, you know, with that in mind, gain close to about, I don't know, 40 million. And then an extra 30 outlay for Madison at 70 probably feels about right. Um, so I, I think we're going to end up with him, although I prefer Odegaard myself, just because he's played with us. He knows what's expected of him. He can be the main man. I, I would rather have Odegaard over Madison. I feel like there's always a clamour to have something different that we've never seen before. Um, but Odegaard was incredibly effective and it seems to have just gone out the window. Um, like I saw something the other day, you know, people saying he doesn't really score goals. Well, hang on. He 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 played um, five-game slot. I remember it. Olympiacos, he looked like he couldn't hit a barn door. He, he couldn't pass. And then he ripped one in from 25 yards. Against Tottenham, he arrived in the box exactly where you want a number 10. Then he got injured. So when he actually had a run, he looked like he had goals in him. He does look like more of a creator, which is what we need. But there's goals in Martin Odegaard. So I, I really hope that's the one we make happen. And at a much more sensible price point. Um, yeah, if, everything I've read um, suggests that he would be available. Um, and I'm probably more in line with your thinking. that I think I, he is... I, I, I'd, be, I'd be really happy if we could get him on a, on a permanent deal. Um, I think there's a desire from his end to get that deal done. I think 
it's it's the one that makes sense for us. The only thing that probably plays into favour for James Madison is that he is English and he would wouldn't count as one of our non homegrown players. And obviously, without being able to shift non homegrown players, that's where that issue comes in. So I think that's probably why we're we're prioritising that that area. But um, yeah, to, to be honest, either one I'd be I'd be very excited about and I think James Madison is that that player that can really get you off your feet um he can s- score from distance he can create um so he'd be one that I would I would be really excited about as well but the price point is probably the the, the sticking area isn't it yeah absolutely and I've got a question for you just in terms of sales would you rather go into the season, forget funds, forget what this might cost, but would you rather go into the season with Lacazette, Aubameyang or Tammy Abraham leading the line? I've, I've thought about this quite a lot, actually. Um, and we, have, we haven't had this conversation off air or anything. We haven't really texted about this. And genuinely, I, I, I just think the way that we're trying to play I, uh, with this whole getting the ball out wide and getting crosses in and playing the odds game, I think we'd be better off with a player like Tammy Abraham because he is naturally better in the air um, and he can hold the ball up. I just think, I don't know at the moment what Aubameyang offers. He's, his confidence is absolutely shot and I just I don't feel like he fits into the system that we're trying to play either on the left-hand side or as the focal point as a centre-forward. And Lacazette, Lacazette does very effective elements of his game. He hold he can hold the ball up, but we also know that he can have periods where he's absolutely atrocious. So it's really, really difficult. But I, I'd be more intrigued by a centre-forward line being led by Tammy Abraham or someone like that, because I think it would bring the other players into play a little bit better than we do at the moment. Um, so that would be my my argument towards that I'm not sure it's likely with obviously I think Roma have agreed was it 34 million I think for Tammy Abraham Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know unless we can shift Lacazette I don't see that as a real viable one Um, yeah and having said that if if you had to ask me who I'd rather get rid of out of Aubameyang and Lacazette it would be Aubameyang because I just (laughs) I just I I honestly don't know what he brings Um, if he doesn't score he doesn't do anything and that's yeah. that's the real issue with Aubameyang. Um, what do you think about that? I, I I agree. I actually think if you look at the way Tierney whips it in, the way Bellerin overlaps, the way we play it wide and work it wide, to have someone who's a threat in the box, I think it would give us a whole new dimension. Yeah. It was one of the reasons, I, I know we just spoke about Willock, but one of the reasons you'd be pro-Willock is he, he floods the box so well. And that is how we play. But it's so hard because in build-up, he doesn't do what we need to. But Tammy Abraham is really good in the air. He's a modern number nine. You know, if you were asking me, out of Aubameyang, Lacazette and Abraham, if I could pick someone to be leading the line against Brentford, I'd pick Tammy Abraham. He's a boyhood Arsenal fan. Um, I know this is unlikely, but he's six foot three. But he's going to have something to prove. Because he's going to say to Tuchel, all right, you spent 100 million on Lukaku. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what you had at your club. And I think that's one of the most important values in top sports people. And I think it's what Arsenal have done so badly. They hire people, hire people, bloody hell, I'm work mode. Um, they, <laughs> it is your lunch break, so yeah. <laughs> they sign people like Willian, who are here to sit on a mega contract and retire. Okay, we should be signing players like Laconga, like Ben White, like Tammy Abraham. They've got something to prove. That's why I don't love the Madison thing. Odegaard, I will show you Real Madrid. I will meet you. I will get this Arsenal team back in the Champions League and I will beat you at the Burnabout. I will show you. And I think that when you look at how Leicester won the league and it goes back to the whole money ball thing, right? Yeah. Is that those intangibles matter. Um, so that's how I feel about it. But the question I've got for you, Tom, I agree with everything you've said um, about our, our friend, our club captain, Pierre. But how many Aubameyang goals do you think we're going to see this season? <laughs> that is a great question. Um... If, we, if we factor in no Europe, we could have... I mean, if I'm being 
realistic. Maybe we'll have five cup games, if I'm being tentative. I'd yeah. like to think we're going to have ten or so. Um, but realistically, if we call it five, that's uh, 43 games. What do you think? I th- I think a, a, a massive factor of it is going to be who we get in or if we get someone in at number 10. Because that sounds like I'm talking about politics, doesn't it? Who's going to be in number 10? <laughs> yeah, if it's, if it's Boris Johnson... He We've gets got no chance. <laughs> um... So I think if we can get if we can get someone in um, that can do that role, whether it's Erdegaard, whether it is James Madison, then I think that instantly increases the number that Aubameyang gets because he he's that sort of player that you want on the end of those chances that are created. Um, at the moment, I'm struggling to see more than fifteen. If I'm honest, well, fifteen would and be th- five more than last yeah. season, and I think. Like you, like you sort of inferred, though, I think that's probably been quite optimistic. Um, realistically, if we're going to have any chance of having a stab at getting back into the European places, we need him to have the season of his life. We need him to be like he was before, where he was taking those chances um, all the time. And unfortunately, it's, it's just I've not seen anything in pre-season to, to suggest that we're getting him back to that level. Um he hasn't scored in pre-season, has he? Nope. No, he hasn't scored in pre-season. The only time he really did anything of, of real interest was when he, he had a bicycle kick against uh, Millwall, I think, uh, that resulted in Callum Chambers scoring. Um, yeah. And that was that was really as exciting as he's kind of got. Um, so but there, there is... But just going back to what we said about pre-season, he is 32. He might just be keeping his powder dry he to, might to be. go all Cadiz on you. Yeah, <laughs> he might well be. Um, and I really, really hope that we see the best of Aubameyang because when, when he's on form, then there's there's few better in terms of taking chances than him. Um, it's just unfortunate that it's been so long now. And obviously, since he signed his new contract, that's pretty much been the last time that we saw him at his best. Um so I'm not I'm not overly optimistic, but I think fifteen at a push would be what I'd probably predict he will he will get this season. I think he'll be better than last year in terms of his output, but um not by a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's the optimist in me. I, I think he I think he's gonna get one and he's gonna fly. I really I just think he's still there. I think if he plays as the lone striker, he does get in position. He does create chances. He does get on the end of things. My God, he misses a lot. Yeah. But he, I think we're going to create more chances for him than we think. Because for all the doom and gloom, I do think, you know, Saka, Smithrow, one other, um, Party and Lakonga, I do think there'll be enough there for him to, to get on the end of things. And I just think... It, as soon as he starts taking those chances, I really do think he's away. I mean, I've always found him an incredibly difficult player to watch because aesthetically, he's tough to watch on the ball. Um, but my goodness, he can finish. Um, so as long as he gets that streak back, I think he can get 20. Um, yeah. All comps. I've got a good feeling for that. So the other news I mentioned, I'd ask you about this, but Granit Xhaka... When we last spoke, I think it looked like he was off to play with Jose Mourinho in, dare I say, a shit house match in heaven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you may say that, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if I may. Um, uh, he's staying um, with a new deal. What do you, what do you make of that? Uh, I've kind of got conflicting emotions because I think when we spoke about it before I I was quite vocal that I didn't think he was the main problem at Arsenal and I didn't think he was obviously one that ideally you'd like to move on but I think he what what he sort of embodies and what he represents is that sort of period of of neglect within the club um and problems around the uh, around the club that I think he sort of embodies. So I think the time was probably right for all parties. However, with all the other things that we need to correct in this transfer window, I don't think ideally you need to correct having to bring in 
another centre midfielder. On to, obviously, we've brought in Lukonga, who looks like a really shrewd bit of business. But I don't think we really needed to, to have to worry about bringing in someone um, who's going to come in as, as your starting central midfielder. And mm. I think played in the right system, I think Xhaka still has a lot to offer. And I still think he he walks into our starting eleven at the minute. Um, and if it, like I've just said, if he did go, you would need to bring someone in who replaces him as a starting midfielder. So I'm not too disappointed, if I'm honest. I know a lot of people are really were really gutted about it, but I don't think for the price that we were being quoted that Roma wanted him for, we wouldn't have been able to get in a starting central midfielder for that price. We would have had to pay more than that. So I'm all right with it. Uh, I don't agree with the whole giving him a new contract on the back of, oh, by the way, we were going to sell you. We were happy for you to go. You wanted to go, but we'll give you a new deal now. Um, I just don't, I don't see the point in that personally. I, I, I get the whole protecting your value and stuff, but we're struggling. We struggle to generate any interest or any transfer fee in him this year. So mm. I don't think a year down the line we're going to, being a, a stronger situation to try and get rid of him, unless the market changes drastically. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that was necessary. But also, I'm not as long as it's not a huge wage increase, I'm not really that worried about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What what amazes me is that we've had five years of granite Xhaka, and we're going to have had eight, um, which is quite a stint. I mean, all I'd say is I actually think he looks better than he ever has. And I think Party is the ideal partner for him. And in his Arsenal career, other than when we popped a 5-3-2, a five, sorry, a 5-2-3 around him with Aaron Ramsey next to him, that was the only other time I felt we actually considered his, I was going to say his limitations, but also tried to get the best out of what he's good at. And that is when he looked at his best. I mean, him in that Chelsea FA Cup final, he was magnificent. And he is capable of magnificent games. I think particularly what I think people don't realise when they watch on TV is just how much of a leader he is and how much he organises the team, Yeah. whether people like it or not. And I know he has he has moments which we've never seen the likes of before. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even talking <laughs> about this. I love, that. I love that way of putting it. <laughs> but he, he really hasn't. I mean, that Burnley goal last season where he clears it into Chris Wood, I, I, I've just never seen anything like it. I, I've never seen a player who who makes the mistakes he makes who is so good on the ball. It's weird. Like, I don't mind it when he gets flooded and, you know, he's caught in possession and he's slow on the turn. OK, that's fair enough. Because if you play around, if you play in a team and you know someone's slower at turning on the ball, guess what? Don't give it to them. If you can see they've got two players on their back, knock yeah. it over their heads. Don't do it to him. When he gets caught like that, I'm always like, well, fair enough. You know, for, for all the... But he does moments that, like I said, I've just never... The only player I can actually compare it to was Steven Gerrard, who every now and then would just produce a back pass to Thierry Henry that you couldn't believe. He, um, he did love a back pass to Thierry Henry. <laughs> so when you just cannot believe that a player who's clearly that good makes mistakes like that. I mean, Jacques is nowhere near Steven Gerrard, just to be really clear. Um, okay. So, Tom, we're, we're, we're two days away at this point from the start of the 21-22 Premier League season. Before I ask you your season expectations and predictions, which kit that we have released is your favourite? Ooh, I, th- I think the third kit. I really, yeah? li- I really like the third kit. I, I obviously, as I, as someone who collects football shirts, um, I have purchased all of them. The third kit hasn't come yet, so I've not yet seen it in person. But I'm a really, really big fan of it. I love the throwback to sort of '95 away kits that we had under Nike, um, and mm. sort of embracing that with Adidas. I, 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 I'm a big, big fan. Um, I think we've we've got a nice selection of kits. Uh, and I understand we're playing uh, against Brentford in the in the third kit, so I'm I'm very oh, excited good. about that. Um, but yeah, I'd say that one. What about you? Um, well, well, you very kindly got me the second kit. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not a kit purchaser, but you very kindly got me the uh, away kit. Uh, I was also gifted the home kit with Andre Thirty on the back because 
everyone's desperate to remind me I've cro- I've got <laughs> I'm entering <laughs> the twilight of my football career. Um, but the third kit for me is glorious. But I actually really quite like the home kit. I, I know it's very Ajax, uh, but I don't know. There's something about it I, I quite like that it, it still feels Arsenal-y enough because that's a throwback to the 0102 kit. It is. Um, which I loved. I mean, I think it's just a little bit too white is my only criticism. Um, they could have made those panels on the side a bit smaller and then I'd have been all in. Um, but yeah, three great crit, three great kits. And as I said to you, if Arsenal produced what they did on the pitch as they do with montages, we would be unbeaten again. Because honestly, that was it. Is it Len yeah. or Les? Uh, I think Len. it's Len. What, what a video that is. What a promo. And Sol Campbell being in some rascal office. Uh, <laughs> just, I love it. I love what this club does with things like that. And I, you know what? That video got me more excited for the season than anything else. I, I just love that whenever there's a video that Arsenal produce, you know at some point Ray Parler's popping up. <laughs> oh, and he kicked it off this time. Yeah. And it's also, and, and just seeing like Martin Keown popping up chopping carrots. I mean, they just, it, I just love it. I love what we do. But we are better at content and merchandise than we are on the pitch. We're more of a brand than a football club at the minute. At the um, moment, yeah. I mean, I, I I dread to think how much money I've spent in the last, let's say, two <laughs> years on just either training kits or, or to go to the gym in or obviously football shirts that I, that I collect. I just spend an obscene amount of money on toot that I don't need. <laughs> I know, but Adidas keep producing the goods. It's, they keep uh... producing the goods, and I'm just <laughs> I, honestly, I was looking last night at the um, the training range that they released alongside the third kit, and I'm already sort of like, well, I need to just hold fire here because I will just go and spend a load of money because it just looks great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. No, amazing, amazing. Right, it's good. Um... That, it's good that we've covered the key points of the season. <laughs> I think it, I think people people come here for that. Um, yeah, lovely stuff. Um, okay, right. Uh, so I guess we've got the kits out of the way. The key, the key, the key questions out of the way. Which kit did you prefer? Yeah, I don't really um, care about the rest of the season now. That's, <laughs> that's done. So I, I, I'm just going to caveat this question with: there is when I look at Chelsea, Liverpool. City and United, I look at their recruitment, I look at the strength of, of their signings um, and their current squads. And, and I just think for us to finish above them is, is near enough impossible. Uh, nothing's impossible in football, of course, but I, I'm totally realistic that if that isn't the top four, something's gone really wrong or yes. really right for someone else. But I think us, Leicester and Spurs are too flawed to keep up with them. So I just yeah. sort of caveat that I'm really not expecting top four. But what do you think we can expect from this season? Well, I think if you break down our potentially our starting eleven when everyone's back and available, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rattle through what 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 I'd consider our, our strongest team at that point. So I think obviously Leno is is your number one, and Tierney left back. We've got a good backup. It looks like a good backup in Tavares, who I think I've got a feeling he might play quite a bit. For Further forward as well, maybe on that left-hand side of the uh, of the attack um, mm-hmm. in certain games, and certainly when you're trying to see games out, I wouldn't be surprised if he he would come on. Ala, the way that that Sanya and Abue used to play down the right-hand side. So, that's your go-to. With that mine is mine would be Gibson Monreal. Oh, that's a good shout. It's a good shout. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that is my go-to. So I, I think obviously Tierney there, your centre-back pairing, you I would assume is going to be Gabriel and Ben White. Um, I'd be surprised if it's not those two when they're both available. Obviously, at Brentford, we're, we're expecting Pablo Mari to be the left-sided centre-half, I, I would have thought, and Ben White alongside him. Uh, and then the problem we have is our right-back. Uh, against Tottenham, I was surprised that Bellerin started. I thought it would have been Callum Chambers. Um, at Brentford, I'm not sure who will start because I thought I thought. Bellerin was fairly poor at Tottenham and I know you agree because you text me quite a few times saying I can't handle any more Hector. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. I just can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. <laughs> so I don't think if you, we're not going to get a right back in realistically. 
because we've got so many other right backs at the club. Um, yeah. So I don't think it, with Callum Chambers there, I don't think that, that is necessarily a bad back four. So I think I'm all right with that. When he's fit, Xhaka and Party will be the two central midfielders you would expect, and then you're left with fitting in Emil Smith Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Nicola Pepe and Aubameyang, and then obviously Lacazette in the mix as well. And then you're assuming we would bring in a number 10 to try and sort of offer that sort of creative output in the middle as well. So I think our 11 probably isn't going to be that bad. It's just the way that we sort of play and how we are deployed by Mikel Arteta, I think is going to dictate that. So I think I'm going to stick with what my prediction was uh, at the tail end of last season. And I said C. And I, I'm going to stick with that. I think, like you say, I think the top four, unless someone crumbles, I think that is completely unattainable for us this year. This year has to be about us getting back into the Europa League and getting back into competitive European football um, and hopefully having a, having a cup run along the way as well. So I'm going to go with that and I'm going to, I'm going to say we'll get to... I've got a feeling we might get to a League Cup final this year. Ooh... Okay. So sixth and the League Cup final, and I think we'll probably go out of the FA Cup early on to some nonsense side. <laughs> oh god! I mean, I mean, if there's one thing we, if he doesn't take those seriously, he is asking for big trouble. Yes. Um, unless we are really going great guns for top four, uh, that is the only way you could compromise. Um, all right. Yeah. No. I. I. I think we will come fifth. Um, okay. It's so slightly if, more optimistic than me. I like if, that. Hang on. If we get a suitable number ten. Yeah. I think there's enough in the team. I think without that, I actually think we will come eighth. I. Yeah. I really don't see how we do enough. And I think the burden on Smith Rowe is already too big. Um. Even with a number 10, I still think it might be a bit too big. And our expectations of this number 10, I mean, it's going to be a, a Maradona hybrid. Messi, a Maradona, Messi, Ronaldinho, Kaka hybrid. Um, I think we're expecting, whereas it just I don't think it fixes a multitude of sins. Really. No, no it doesn't. Um, do it's, you, it's not like we go to top four. Yes, go on. Do you think there's any chance? Obviously, we've spoken about Odegaard and we've spoken about James Madison. Do you think there's any chance that there could be like a left field choice that we sort of go? Hundred percent. I'd actually, if I was a betting man, I bet it's a name we've not considered yet. Yeah. Um. I, I don't even. You know, I'd have to get Football Manager out to to go through a list of suitable number tens. <laughs> I suspect. Please, please do. We have time. <laughs> yeah okay all right i'm loading it up now scouting um, <laughs> um yeah i i i it could be i i i would wager i just think it'll be odegaard and i still think it'll be on loan um maybe with a view to it being permanent next year um okay my my other sort of predictor for you um do you think who do you think will finish our top scorer That's, I, I'm I'm going to be optimistic and say Aubameyang. I'm going okay. to be I'm going to be optimistic. Um, I think you've convinced me he's going to score twenty goals this season. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I I think I've overplayed my hand because I, I think it's going to be Nicola Pepe. He was the other one I I was going towards, but I'm I'm going to stick with Aubameyang. You're going to go with Nicola Pepe. I I, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. How many how many goals do you think Emil Smith Rowe is going to get? <laughs> I think Emil Smith Rowe is going to get five goals and five assists, and I think he will be oil in the engine to uh, invoke Robert Pires's analogy from Arsene. You. I, I think you're probably about right. I don't. I don't think it's going to be massive numbers. Um, All right. Um, who do you think? Uh, same question, but for Mister Saka. So what did he get last year? Uh, well, that's say so scored about six goals. Was it? Yeah. 
and obviously bear in mind we don't have Europe this year, so that's obviously a factor. Um, I I can see him scoring uh, like similarly. I think sort of between five and seven league goals. I think would be uh, a he got a good output for him because I think he needs that progression. Um, that's the next thing for him that he's obviously producing good numbers in terms of assists and chances created. I think it's the next thing for him has to be to consistently be a goal threat as well. So if he could progress from what he did last season or similar to what he did last season, I think that would be good for someone of his age. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. Um, okay. No, sounds good. I mean, what I would say is that I think we're going to have more fun than we think this season. Getting back into away games is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I think everyone, if anyone who's listening, anyone who's anyone, will probably lose to Chelsea and City. Don't lose your minds. It's a long old season. Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, look, if we don't, this is really hard, right? If if we can get, I, I, I mean this as well, if we can get three points from our first three games, I think it's a good return. I really do. We, Brentford is going to be really tough. First ever game in the Premier League. First time they'll have, have had their new ground full. There's a lot of intangibles. They aren't Fulham that came up either. They are such a good side. They play really good pressing football. Tight ground could be a real challenge for us. But if we can beat them, and even if we take a couple of close ones on the chin from Chelsea and City... I still think that's not the end of the world. You have a positive window and everything's a lot happier. So as much as it's going to be hard to take um, if we do lose those games, I just think we need to try and remember that. And I, I will remember, I've said this, when you hear me screaming my head off um, at the Emirates uh, when we go 2-0 down to Chelsea and Tammy Abraham scores. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I'm worried about Brentford, actually. Uh, I think it's going to be a really tough game, and I think it's it's massive for us because then you look at the next two and you and like you say, you, realistically, you would expect Arsenal to lose those two games, and anything we collect from Chelsea and Man City would be a bonus. Um, and I can't tell you how depressing it is to go into games, the big games like that, with that with that sort of mindset. But that is the reality of the situation. Um, we're playing against the European champions and we're playing against the Premier League champions. And unfortunately, we're nowhere near that level at the moment. So it will be a challenge. But I think Brentford is a massive game for us because we really need to get those three points. And if we don't get those three points, if we did, say, lose and then lose the next two, then that puts so much pressure on Arsenal and also on Mikel Arteta. Um, Just the last thing I will ask you, how much time do you think he will be given if, if things don't go according to plan this season? I think he's got the whole season, almost no matter what. Okay. I I, I think... It, I, I, and I think this is wrong. I just want to caveat it with that. I think this is wrong. But I think he will have to the end of the season, and I still think, even if we finished eighth, I don't think he'll lose his job. It's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, it, it, it kind of depends how that eighth comes about. Yeah. Because if we're playing exciting football and we've got a number 10 and you can really see the green shoots, then okay. Um, and again, I'd rather miss out on um, the whatever the conference league no, the and conference, come eighth yeah. than come seventh. So, and I just feel like he's going to get more time to work on this project and, and it might be a really good idea. It might not be. I mean, if we come in his two seasons, we've come eighth and eighth, a third eighth. Doesn't uh, sound great, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, what do you think? Oh, I'd, I'd be inclined to, to agree, but I, I do think if, if things didn't go well and we got to sort of November time and we're really struggling, I think, I think the pressure from the supporters and from the media, I think, might be something that would would tip it. Um, hopefully, we're not in that situation. We don't have to consider that. But I think there there's a, a possibility 
that around that sort of time, certainly just just before Christmas, say that there might be some sort of uh, pressure on him. But hopefully we're not in that situation. Hopefully we, we get off to a good start this season against Brentford and hopefully we can have a positive season because I think the the, the key factor has to be to try and get back into um, the Europa League again because I don't think anything else is, is particularly realistic. Um, and if we can do that, then I think that'll be a positive step forward. And then you can start rebuilding your squad um, further than we've been potentially doing at the moment. But I think you touched on it before where you said that this year is about making sure we've got a good 11 um, and may, maybe sort of 14 players because of how few, how many fewer games we're going to have to play. And if we can do that, then that sets us up well. But I think it's fair to say the next three weeks are really important in terms of who we bring in. Mm-hmm. And look, when all is said and done, all we need is Bukayo Saka. <laughs> all we need is Bukayo Saka. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. I can't. I can't wait. Anyway, okay. thank you for your time, Andre. I know. I know you've squeezed this uh, podcast in during your lunch break, which is a. Uh, admirable of you that is your commitment to the boys in red and white podcast absolutely Um, it's been a joy been a joy and obviously i will talk to you no doubt throughout the next couple days about the upcoming brentford game and obviously about what happens at brentford but it's uh it's just nice that we're we're talking about this and we're planning on trips together and we're planning on meeting up before games i'm just i'm really excited about the season for that reason and I can't wait to the, the fact that I'm going to be seeing you every sort of three or four days, <laughs> which has been uh, something that's been lacking in my life recently. So I, I'm looking forward to it. As am I. As am I. We're okay. Win the league. Uh, we're going to win the league. <laughs> it's just come to me. It's all this optimism. It's flowing through my veins. We're going to win the league, Tom. It's good. It's, it's happening. We don't need to spend £100 million on a player. We are winning the league with what we've got. So. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week with another podcast where hopefully we talk about the success of our first visit to Brentford. Um, Thank you for listening and goodbye.